Welcome back to the Golden Age of Optimism. I'm John Charles Harmon, and this podcast is actually the audio versions of all my books. I'm reading them into the podcast. Now, if you want to get the full book, you need to go to the beginning of a season, which is an episode, episode one, episode two, episode three, and so on, and you will get to hear the full audio of the book. So we're continuing with my science fiction book, which is called Akhtal and the Five Planets of Han. Chapter 3. Even though Kafta was one of Mr. Kin's best friends, there was an element of the friendship that Mr. Kin kept personal. He had learned over the years that even the closest of friends had the ability to break the high standard of trust that he determined he demanded in all his relationships. Trust had been a key element in his development of Octal, and the fact that this was an underlying theme in all the technology that went into her creation shows how much he honored the trait. Actually, Kafta was very much like Taijo Kin in that he was highly intelligent and also reclusive. Kafta lived on the planet Kulo, which was the closest planet to Taijo where Mr. Kin lived. Many Marans that migrated to one of the outlying planets used the name of the planet or some variation of it in their name. Kafta had no first name, as did many Marans. Kulo was the last planet to be settled and still was in effect a lot less habitable than the other planets because of the lack of water. The Federation had almost decided to not try and change the environment on Kulo because of the complexity and the cost, but in the end, Marns wanted to be able to know that they had completed their plan of migrating to all the planets. The Federation had installed a series of nuclear reactors at each of the poles of the planet to melt the miles of thick ice so that the planet would warm and have liquid water. The process was well underway, but not completed. For the few Marns that lived on Kulo, it was a harsh and difficult life because of the harsh conditions. Each day there were strong winds and fierce electrical storms as an effect of melting the ice at the poles. To Kafta, though, the storms were magnificent and exciting. He very much enjoyed watching the storms from his window. It was a big change from the bland environment of his home planet, Mara. Kafta endured the long days with his second wife and the pleasures of a comfortable home. His home was small but very functional and filled with all the best that Maran culture had to offer. His wife was constantly spending his money and redecorating the home. The best part of being one of the first immigrants to Kula was the fact that Kafta had lots of time to think and to create. Kafta was the most modest and studious of Mr. Kin's friends. The seclusion that Kafta enjoyed on the planet Kulo enhanced his creative thinking. His dwelling was not large, but it had many rooms. The home was burrowed into a hillside, and there were large picture windows in most rooms so that he could take in the incredible views that looked out over the dry valley below. One could sit comfortably with their favorite refreshment and watch the electrical storms as they lit up the evening sky on the horizon. For the past 20 years, Kafta had worked privately for Mr. Kin as a biological and genetic engineer on a variety of projects. He was the head of engineering for Mr. Kin's agricultural company that mostly farmed the seas of Mara. Kafta's work had become very important as the migrations expanded and various forms of aquaculture were introduced into the infant lakes and oceans on some of the planets. Kafta had a state-of-the-art lab adjacent to his home and a small crew of about 20 workers that came and worked on a rotational basis. Like Mr. Kin, Kafta kept the socializing with his workers to a bare minimum. The other scientists and assistants that came to work their six-month shifts 
had a very hard time understanding how Kafta could live permanently under such harsh planetary conditions. They were always very happy when their shift was over. Kafta had been recommended as an expert in the development of artificial skins, which Mr. Kin was starting to use in the development of his latest sexual robots. For the better part of 20 years now, their friendship had grown to where now they could each think of the other as best friends. They conferred over a variety of issues on a regular basis, but only visited each other every few years or so. Over the past 10 years, Kafta had worked secretly with Mr. Kin on a number of Mr. Kin's projects. Mr. Kin was confident now that he could trust Kafta to keep the prying eyes of the Federation away. The research and development of the latest project that Kafta led was by far the most secretive. Kafta and his team worked on a number of new technologies that would be implemented into the new personal robot. Kafta realized that Mr. Kin was working on a highly innovative robot, but for what function she was to be used, he could only speculate. One thing he knew for sure is that this was not a robot that was going to be mass-produced for the public. The cloud of concealment was by far the most intense that had ever been engaged in with the two of them. Kafta knew that in recent years, Mr. Kin was having many problems with the Federation on a variety of levels. What was odd to Kafta was why Mr. Kin wanted a synthetic womb put in the robot. Kafta did not question Mr. Kin's directions, but the idea just did not have any logic to it whatsoever. Many Marans grew their children in artificial wombs, but it was always done in special facilities for that purpose, and putting one in a robot just seemed ridiculous. The birth of babies in artificial wombs was highly regulated by Federation laws, and if they ever caught wind that Mr. Kin was doing this with the robot, there would be severe consequences. During the past year, Kafta had heard less from Mr. Kin than before in the past. Kafta's work on the project had been completed almost a year prior, and he had been wondering until recently if the reason Mr. Kin had not been in communication was because of possible displeasure on Mr. Kin's end from the work that he had done. Mr. Kin arrived unexpectedly with the extremely unique and lovely robot, Aktal. Kafta was beside himself with excitement and surprise. As usual, Mr. Kin did not explain too much, only that he wanted Aktal to stay with Kafta for two months. Kafta could only tell his wife that Aktal was a new personal robot model and that they were working on it and that his job required him to test the robot for a period of two months. When Kafta questioned Mr. Kin about the results and tests they should do or were looking for, Mr. Kin just grinned, crossed his long fingers together, and very slowly said, quote, I will tell you one time only, my dear friend Kafta. I want you to relax and take a vacation. Enjoy your life for a few months and give me a full report on everything. You've worked for many years, and now this robot is the fruition of our efforts. So once again, enjoy the fruits of your labor, unquote. Kafta was sort of overwhelmed, humbled, and confused, but it was an assignment he would be more than happy to take on. It didn't take long after Mr. Kin left that Kafta realized he was in the presence of a technological phenomenon far beyond anything most Marans could ever imagine. The combination of technologies used in this robot had not just exceeded Federation regulations. They broke laws that were not even yet written by the Federation. Kafta was not even sure the Federation would know how to classify this robot at all. Akhtal soon proved to Kafta that she was a creation supreme. She was the ultimate being for intellectual and physical stimulation. Kafta now understood why there had been so much secrecy around the project. If the Federation ever discovered what they had created, not 
only would Mr. Kin's wealth be subject to confiscation, but most likely everyone involved in the project would end up in front of a hearing board and lose whatever licenses and status they had. It would cause a complete uproar throughout Morin society on a whole variety of levels. After the first week with Octal, Kafta wanted to contact Mr. Ken and talk with him, but he was under instructions not to call him. Kafta was exhausted, totally enthralled, and stunned to the extent of not wanting to do anything but wake up and spend time with Octal. It was truly like spending time with an ancient goddess from one of the Marin myths. After two weeks, Kafta could no longer hold in his motions, and he started to send Mr. Kin messages, but of course, Mr. Kin did not respond. Kafta realized he would have to wait until Mr. Kin returned, and in the meantime, he would have another six weeks with this amazing Octal. Towards the end of the two-month trial, Kafta started to feel melancholy. He knew it was because he was becoming attached emotionally to Octal. He sent his wife to visit relatives after the first week with Octal because the experiment was becoming obsessive. And Octal, he could no longer hide her in his lab from his wife. He was reaching a point where he finally really did not care if his wife ever even returned. And that was not an emotion he felt he should have. Worse was the fact that as his affection on various levels had increased towards Octal, he was feeling younger and more energetic than he'd ever felt in his life. He was sure his mental capacities were growing, and so he did some tests on himself. He was pleasantly surprised when the results showed that his intelligence level had actually increased. This was not supposed to happen to a middle-aged Mar. Atal was both a companion and a teacher. The time Kafta spent with her seemed to not only increase his intelligence, but also gave him a strong sense of increased clarity in thought. He knew this was not something he could test, but it was definitely happening to him. There was something odd that happened whenever he was in her presence. The air around him seemed to be filled with electricity. It was similar to the feeling he had when he would sit and watch the electrical storms in the valley below, only the feeling with Octal was more subtle. Just as the brilliant colors that ignited the sky on such a regular basis from the storms touched Kafta somewhere deep inside of him, Octal was doing the same, and even more. He knew he was becoming part of something that would actually shift the culture of his people. Kafta and Ektal were lounging quietly while they watched the colorful sunset. Kafta was reflecting on the time he had spent with Ektal over the past two months. When his phone buzzed, Kafta left Ektal and walked into the adjacent room and pushed the button on his computer and saw Mr. Kin's smiling face. How is life on your stormy planet? Mr. Ken asked. You know, the Federation is having a very hard time getting people to migrate there, even with all those incentives they are offering, Mr. Ken said. Taijo, I thought I would never get a chance to talk to you. It's about time you called. Did you get all the messages I sent? Well, I know you got the messages. You're, you leave this amazing creation of yours here with me and I don't even get a chance to thank you, Kafta replied. Oh, you know me better than most, Kafta, so let's just say I have been busy. Like I told you, when I left her there with you, I just wanted you to have enough time to enjoy your life for a while and have a full experience with Akhtal in the privacy of your own secluded retreat. Let's not discuss anything right now. I will be there in two days, and we can have plenty of long talks, Mr. Kin said. I have nowhere to go, so you know I will be here. I look forward to your visit, my dear friend. Oh, yes, and thank you for at last contacting me, 
Kafta replied with a smile. After the conversation ended, Kafta strolled back into the room where Akhtar waited. He started having thoughts that, that he knew he shouldn't have. He was thinking about taking Akhtar and running away with her. And that is why he said that odd sentence to Mr. Kin that he had nowhere to go. Something had changed in the past two months and he knew it. And it was all because of this amazing creation that sat gazing out the window at the sunset with him and seemingly just enjoying the splendor of the colorful sky. Chapter 4, The Journey Begins The two days before Mr. Kin was to travel to the planet, Kulo to visit Kafta were very busy. Even though Mr. Kin was the president of numerous corporations, his time remained exclusively his own, and he liked it that way. All of his enterprises were managed very well and running smoothly without him most of the time. Mr. Kin knew that his youth was past him. He had never properly married, and the elite society would never accept him because of that. Sometimes this bothered him, but now that he was at the stage in his life where only the future mattered, he blocked those thoughts from his mind. He knew the choices that he made now were the choices that would guide him until his death. He felt he was ready for the excitement that all the changes would bring. Mr. Kin was the head of the only interplanetary transport vehicle company that was privately owned. The other companies were now controlled by the government due to the fact that when the migrations were reaching the peak, the Federation saw it as necessary to keep the ticket prices low for passengers. In a way, Mr. Kin helped pay for the migrations because he paid an outrageous tax on his transport vehicles, even though they were mainly used for the transport of the precious minerals from his mines. Ten years ago, Mr. Kin took on his first and only project that partnered him with the Federation. Mr. Kin's company and the Federation had been working together to build a new spaceship that would travel within their galaxy. In reality, it was Mr. Kin's company that was doing all the research and development. The Federation was simply giving Mr. Kin's corporation tax credits in the future on his other transport vehicles. Intergalactic probes had been sent to explore other nearby galaxies, but there was very little interest by the Marns in traveling away from their home planets due to the fact that they had solved the environmental problems on their home planet of Mara, and since they were now settling the other planets, they had what seemed like a very secure future. The simple desire for exploration was not as strong as it had been in the past. Still, the Federation wanted the ability to travel within their galaxy. It was the logical step after they settled their home planets. The members of the Federation that headed this project also knew that someday in the future, Mr. Kin would die, and they would be prepared to take over all his companies, so it was a logical thing to let him work on this project. The first two spaceships that Mr. Kin's company built were used, were, were using the most advanced fusion technology which was provided by the Federation. They were fully tested on the ground and everyone involved was satisfied with the progress that had been achieved. Mr. Kin's contract was extended with an order for 10 more vehicles. The first vehicle was launched and Marins everywhere viewed the launch. It was a historic and significant event that had been the pinnacle of the last hundred years of tremendous technological achievements. Though the majority of Marns did not want to see the did not want or see the need to travel within their galaxy, they still felt proud of what their culture had achieved. Less than a year into the voyage, though, the contract with Mr. Kin was canceled, and the whole intergalactic expansion directive was scrapped. There never was any official word from the Federation as to what happened. But the story that leaked out was that the vehicle had malfunctioned and that all 80 of the Marins aboard 
had perished. Mr. Kind, for the very first time in his career, realized he had to make some type of public statement, despite the fact that the Federation officials in charge of the project wanted Mr. Kind to remain silent. Mr. Kind's statement was short, and he denied having any knowledge of the vehicle malfunctioning. He also let his fellow Marns know that his involvement in the project had been under the supervision of the Federation officials. Privately, Mr. Kent and his staff had a strong belief that the vehicle had not malfunctioned and that all that had happened is that a nearby supernova had cut communications. What ensued from the fiasco was a large legal battle where the Federation demanded all of the completed intergalactic vehicles be turned over to them along with massive refunds of monies that had been loaned to Mr. Kin as tax credits for his involvement in the projects. In reality, the whole situation was being created by the Federation to try and take money, power, and property away from the Kin Empire. Consequently, the Federation passed strict laws that prohibited private ownership of intergalactic vehicles. Mr. Kin's wealth was dented, but still intact with the core mining operations still going strong. Mr. Kin knew that his wealth was now under serious scrutiny within the Federation and that it would not be long before he came under attack again. During this trying time in his life, Taijo Kin thought often about his father and wished he wished that he was still alive. He knew that it was only because of the wisdom that his father had imparted to him that he was able to maintain his composure during the numerous hearings he had to endure in front of the various Federation committees. Often when he sat alone on the stand and answered absurd question after absurd question, he recalled the time he had walked along the edge of the lake near his home with his father. And his father told him how the good of the Marns did not always rest in the hands of the Federation. He told his son, Taijo, that there would be times in his life when it may be necessary to skirt the laws of the Federation for the greater good of the Marn people. At the time, Taijo did not fully understand what his father was telling him, but now he did. After the grueling hearings, the legal battles went on, and it became more and more apparent that the Federation did not like the fact that Mr. Can had his hands in all the enterprises that he did. Mr. Kin often wondered if it was just pure jealousy by the government officials or was there some other underlying reason that his wealth was being scrutinized so often. It was very clear now that the Federation was intent on breaking up Mr. Kin's companies in any way that they could. As time progressed, the legal battle intensified and as a result, Mr. Kin's Need for secrecy with his projects also increased. When the Octal project was completed, Mr. Kin took on an air of aloofness that he had never done before. Even his closest friends thought there was something wrong with him because he often would not communicate with anyone for weeks at a time. He stayed alone in his home or at one of his other retreats. What no one knew was that he was not alone because... He was with Octal. He was sad about the way his affairs had turned out with the Federation. He had never thought of his government as his foe. And he knew many people that worked within the Federation that were good people. The people he knew always seemed a bit stiff, though, and aloof. But they were Marns like him, and they wanted the best for Marn culture as he did. Far worse was Far worse than the feeling of being sad about the situation was the feeling of being complacent. He didn't want to be complacent. Taijo had never felt complacent in his life, and it was a new experience for him because he didn't know what to do. He did not like the feeling at all. When he did communicate with the various heads of his companies, he found himself putting projects on hold and constantly saying to them they would have to think about it for a while. This was not like him, and this was not how he was able to create his wealth. It was at this time that his other close friend, Jacone, was able to pull him out of his doldrums. 
and once again sparked the fighting spirit. Taijun knew he had lost. Jacon was the head engineer for Mr. Kin's mining transport ships. Like Kafta, Jacon had no last name. Mr. Kin recognized the abilities that Jacon possessed and could see that Jacon's temperament was similar to his. When the contract for the intergalactic ships had been awarded to Mr. Kin, he put Jacon in charge of the project. Jacon was a small, agile Marn that seemed to have an unlimited energy to go along with his brilliant mind. He and Taijo Kin became friends on a level that only two geniuses could. They carried on seemingly endless dialogues that often went on wild yet feasible tangents. The main focus of their conversation centered on aspects of intergalactic travel and what that would mean for the Marin culture. Mr. Kin realized early in his friendship with Jacon that he would be able to trust Jacon because they shared many of the same ideals and quests to discover new technologies that would benefit their Marin culture. When the Federation canceled the contract, Jacon was emotionally crushed and beside himself with anger. During the ensuing hearings and lawsuits, Jacon wrote numerous articles and gained a strong following with his harsh criticism of the Federation and its powers. Jacon saw no logical reason as to why the Federation was slowing and even preventing the progress of technology for intergalactic travel, secretly and without any approval from his boss. Jacon carried out plans of his own. He was almost 100% sure that Mr. Kin would approve, but it was just too risky to let him know anything due to the scrutiny of the Federation. Also, he didn't want the burden of guilt to fall on Mr. Kin if things went wrong. He knew his career would be done, that he may be put away in jail for a long time. Heads would roll and people would lose their jobs, but it was a risk he felt he was forced to take. Something had to change within the ruling elite of the Federation, and maybe this would be the catalyst for it. Marnes had just become too well-off and too comfortable now that they were in an era of leisure and wealth. Most Marnes just assumed that their growing bodies were working for the overall betterment. The governing bodies were working for the overall betterment of the Marin culture, when in reality, as Jacon knew only too well, many inside the Federation were just trying to increase their own status and wealth. Unlike the vast majority of Marins, Jacon was very religious, but not in the old beliefs that were long forgotten by Marins who had grown up with a thorough education and understanding of science. Jacon was religious, and it was, it was based on his vast experience as a scientist. His beliefs focused around a universal rhythm or law that imbued every aspect of matter. He was sure this law or rhythm existed because he had witnessed it in the results of many of his experiments when he worked on the fission reactors for the intergalactic spacecraft. Now, as the quagmire problems with the Federation engulfed him, he had a deep sense that somehow he was going to be protected by an aura of simple energy and that all of his actions would lead him closer to truly understanding this ultimate law. Events changed quickly in the two days after Mr. Kent had talked with Kafta and told him that he would go there to talk with him and retrieve Aktal. Mr. Kin was almost in a state of frenzy because of what was happening now. He sent a message to Kafta telling him that he should immediately take Aktal and go to his fifth palace on the <coughs> excuse me, on the planet Misa. He wanted Kafta to be cautious and not let anyone know where and when he was traveling. Mr. Kin's fifth palace on the planet Misa was one of his favorite places to visit. Misa was called the planet of fog. The temperature was warmer than the other planets, and in most areas, a thick fog was always present. It was not a popular planet for the Marans to migrate to, and the Federation offered 
large financial benefits and perks for those that would migrate there. Some Marans that came from the more equatorial areas of Mara did actually enjoy the environment and definitely preferred it to the drier planets. The planet did have many elderly and very rich Marans on it that populated the southern part of the planet. These were wealthy, older people, and many had lavish homes. Mr. Kin owned his own island on the planet and was expanding his aquaculture business there. The palace he built was not nearly as large as his home in Taijo, but it was much larger than other estates he had on other planets. Mr. Kin preferred to invite his friends to Misa because it was very secluded and Misa did not have a large presence of Federation officials, as did the other planets. Kafta assumed that Mr. Kin had changed his mind because he wanted to spend more time discussing the business prospects of marketing a personal robot like Akhtal. Mr. Kin often had high-level business meetings at this palace. Kafta had some ideas, but he knew it was going to be extremely difficult to get this prototype to the market with, within the current Federation regulations. Jacon had also been invited to the palace. He had an intuitive feeling why, but at the same time, he feared that Mr. Kin had other plans for him. The now-closed transport company had been a major issue between the two of them recently. Once at the palace on Misa, Mr. Kin made sure that Jacon and Kafta were kept apart and not aware that the other was there until the actual time that he was going to meet with them. Although Kafta and Jacon were two of Mr. Kin's closest friends, they did not have a lot of admiration for each other, and they were not intimate friends. They had met each other on various occasions, and on a few occasions, the tension between the two of them disrupted the meetings. It was early in the evening, and both Jacon and Kafta wanted to see Mr. Kim, but he made some excuses and told both of them he would meet them in the morning. Ms. Gertin did request to see Octal, though, so she went immediately to see her creator. That night, Mr. Kin barely slept at all. He spent the whole night conferring and honing plans with Akhtal and a secret friend of his. Akhtal had evolved in the short time she had been functioning into a highly advanced being, and Mr. Kin knew it. Mr. Kin was very happy. He had been helping her to make the decision he needed to make with haste. There was a simplicity of logic that Mr. Kin admired in Octal, and that was one of the reasons she had such a profound effect on Kafta. As the evening wore on, Mr. Kin was able to analyze all of his options very quickly. The fact he had been away from Octal for the past two months made him realize even more profoundly that he had taken on the role of a creator and he was actually very proud of his creation. As much as her presence stimulated him mentally, it also scared him because he knew his life was going to change in a very dramatic way. The meeting. It was nearly noon and not out of the norm. Mr. Kin was late for the meeting. He had called with his associates. Jacon and Kafta were sitting patiently waiting for Mr. Kin to arrive. They were both surprised to see each other, but that's the way it goes. There, They were rivals, and they knew it, and they usually behaved in a snarky way towards each other. As they sat quietly, the tension between them was, as usual, thick in the air. They had greeted each other cordially, then sat down in silence, waiting for Mr. Kin. Kafta still felt the glow from the time he had spent with Octal, so he was in a very good mood. He decided to break the silence. Quote, you must be pretty upset what had happened with the Galaxy Project. Actually, you know, I read some of your biting articles in the journals, unquote. 
he said to Jacone. Jacone stared down at the patterns on the marble floor and did not respond. Kafta decided to continue and rub it in with more remarks. Well, didn't I tell you years ago that you were using your talents in the wrong field? I distinctly recall encouraging you to go into biotechnology like me. It has been the most lucrative field of science with all the migrations. You should have heeded my advice, sir. I'm sure Mr. Kin gets here. You will see exactly what I mean. <clears throat> Kafta was hoping that Mr. Kin had Octal with him when he showed up and he could brag about his part of her development. Jacon just looked up from the marble floor and scowled. At last, Mr. Kin entered the room with Octal by his side. Jacon was instantly taken aback and had a stunned look on his face. He stared at Octal with his mouth open. Mainly he was staring because she had two eyes. He had never seen a personal robot with two eyes, and the dark metallic blue color was, was also different. Welcome, Jacon and Kafta. Jacon, I would like to introduce you to my personal robot, Octal. She is our most recent experimental prototype, and I am sure you will discover she is more than a normal robot assistant. Mr. Kin sat down opposite his two employees with Octal at his side. Mr. Kin was very alert and refreshed, even though he had not slept the night before. Octal saw that Jacone was staring at her, so she stood, stepped over to him, and reached out her hand. It is a pleasure to meet you, Jacone. Her voice was soft and alluring. Jacone knew instantly that this was not a normal robot. Tajan has said many admirable things about you. Jacone nodded his head and stared at her. Mr. Kent stood up. Please, please follow me, everyone. <clears throat> we will have a serious and lengthy discussion, but here is not the place. He led them outside to a small sculpture garden. Most of the sculptures were of various types of sea life and were carved out of large slabs of granite and marble. Spaced between the sculptures, there sat large pots with exotic flowers and plants. On one side of the garden was a fountain carved out of a large, dark blue stone. In the center of the garden was a circular mosaic of semi-precious stones. The mosaic also displayed various forms of sea life. Mr. Kin motioned for them to stand next to him on the mosaic. The others followed his direction and stood quietly, looking at each other, wondering what was going on. Very slowly and almost imperceptible, at first, the mosaic began to sink into the floor. They soon realized they were being lowered into an expansive underground chamber. Mr. Kin explained to them that this was a clandestine place and that they were never to reveal it to anyone. Jacone and Kafta started asking questions as they were gradually going down at least 50 yards to the floor below, and Mr. Kin politely answered their questions. Soon, they were able to see the full view of the chamber, and they stopped asking questions, staring at the wonder of the chamber below. They could see that the roof above them was made of some type of luminous material, and and made the floor below appear to have depth. Both Jacone and Kafta knew if Mr. Kin was taking them to this private chamber that he had some various serious issues to discuss with them. Right about as the platform reached the bottom, Mr. Kin spoke up. This is going to be a very special meeting for both of you. I understand you may not like each other as much as you should, but it is important to know that you are two of my closest friends. This is a critical time, and I need your help and your guidance. Whether you are aware of it or not, I feel we share a lot of the same feelings about our roles as Marns and our roles in this life that we're leading. I only ask you now to contemplate very seriously everything that occurs from this moment on and please prepare yourself to make decisions based not on your emotions but on what you think is the best for all of us, including our society. Also, I have to remind you that no matter what, 
Everything you see and hear at this meeting must remain completely confidential. Mr. Kin was very serious, more serious than they had ever seen him. They had reached the bottom and Mr. Kin led them off to the side where there was a small area set up with a large table laden with many traditional Marn refreshments. It looked very inviting and comfortable indeed. There was something that Marns liked, being comfortable. Jacone was very perceptive and he could tell from the fact that there were seven seats at the table that three of the participants had yet to arrive. He glanced at Kafta as he took a small piece of pastry and put it in his mouth. He could see that Kafta was also looking at the empty seats and wondering whom the seats were reserved for. Both knew Mr. Kin had three sons and they sort of suspected the seats were for them. Mr. Kin had never married because Marin culture was extremely class-oriented. When Mr. Kin had fallen in love with a woman from below his class, he tried to keep the relationship private. The boys were raised on Miso, far from the probing eyes. Two years ago, the boy's mother had died in an accident when the interplanetary vehicle crashed. It had been suspected that the crash was not an accident, but a plot to kill the mother. Mr. Kin was very depressed and became even more suspicious of the Federation than he already was. The younger boys were twins. So out of fear, Mr. Kin sent them to stay with Jacone's brother, who was a prominent and well-liked artist who lived in a place even more secluded than Mr. Kin. The young boys loved their new home, and Mr. Kin visited them often. Traga, who was the older son by almost 10 years, went to live with Jacone, who became his mentor for a while. Jacone and Traga worked together on Project Galaxy, actually, and Traga was becoming a highly respected scientist in his own right. Mr. Kin had told Traga recently that he would inherit Mr. Kin's estate if something would happen to him. Mr. Kin left no questions unanswered when it came to Traga, and that is why he trusted Jacone as his mentor. As they were sitting at the table and beginning to enjoy the very variety of appetizers, Traga casually walked in from a small passage that led to the garden. He greeted everyone and hugged his father. He sat down and engaged the others in small conversation while nibbling away on the refreshments, as did the others. Mr. Kin started to explain to Kafta that his son had been staying with him and working with Jacone for the past few years. Kafta was surprised, but tried not to express it. When Mr. Kin told Kafta that he had chosen Jacone to be his son's mentor, Kafta felt a bit of jealousy. Kafta knew he could have been a much better tutor than Jacone. Kafta now came to the conclusion that the talk had to be about some type of restructuring of Mr. Kin's corporations, and that made him feel pretty good because that meant he would be involved in the restructuring. Kafta had a lot of good ideas to share, and he knew it. After they all indulged in the refreshments for a while and made small talk, Mr. Kin rose from his chair and raised up his arms in a, in a gesture indicating silence. He looked first at Jacone and then at Kafta in a very serious manner and then spoke in a very soft voice, alternately looking at each of his friends. Quote, as you can see, there are two seats remaining at the table. They will be filled in due time. First, I would like to take some time and explain the purpose of this meeting and why I called us here to meet at such a short notice. He stared at Kafta again. Kafta, you and Jacone I consider as my closest friends and confidants. You have worked with me for many years now, and both of you have proven your devotion. I highly admire the tireless energy you have given to my companies. We have shared many insights, personal experiences, and more than our share of Marin refreshments. The three Marins chuckled a bit at Mr. Kin's humor. Please understand, especially you, Kafta, that because of the morals of our society, I have had to raise my son Traga mostly in a clandestine manner. Traga is very dear to me, along with my twins, but the twins are much younger, and their future is yet to be determined. Traga has worked closely with Jacone, and I am very proud of how he has matured. 
Mr. Kin looked at his son and shot a wry smile his way. I know Jacone and Traga have also become close friends, and I'm happy for this. Kafta was starting to become confused now. He had not heard Mr. Kin speak in the manner he was speaking, ever. Something very serious was going on, and he knew it. Mr. Kin continued, Akhtal is a very extraordinary robot. The truth is that maybe she is even more than what we have come to know as personal robots. Her development has been a covert operation, and it has taken all of my abilities to influence the project so that no knowledge of it could be leaked out. Kafta, what I'm going to expose to now, both Jacon and my son already know. Actually, they are mostly responsible for it, but I did play a small role. As, with, as we all know, intergalactic travel is now banned by the Federation. Some think that was part of their plan all along when they enlisted our companies to help develop the spacecraft. Others think it, it was just a result of the first vehicle being lost. But either way, with the regulation now in place, it will not be possible for any private entities to own that type of spacecraft. We have spent a large fortune on the work and will never be able to see the return on our efforts. As you know, there are many other companies that were involved in this project and they are very upset with the Federation's decisions also, but there's nothing anyone can do. I am sure you are well aware that the Federation has been tightening controls on all of my corporations over the past few years. It is obvious that they believe I have become too powerful and my wealth somehow displays a threat to them. There are many, like me, that believe differently. The reality <clears throat> is that as mine and other private corporations have been discovering new technologies, it causes the general population to see the Federation as sort of an outdated governing body. There are those now within the Federation talking of the day when it is overthrown or reformed, and the old hardliners that are now in power do not want to lose that power. The signs of their demise are apparent. As you are all well aware, the rumor is that the first intergalactic vehicle that was launched was purposely destroyed by the Federation. I am not sure if any of us will know what actually happened. We know the purpose of the first mission was to further explore and begin to settle the galaxy Jahatsva, which of course is the nearest galaxy that we have determined has similar solar systems to ours. There is a possibility that someday the Federation will decide to continue Project Galaxy and maybe even partner again with private industry, but we believe this is a remote possibility right now. The Federation definitely has the required technology and funds to continue the project, but because of the volatile political situation, it is unlikely they will make any decision in the near future. Because of all that I have just stated, and for other reasons which will become more apparent to you later, I have decided to set in motion one of the most important endeavors I have of ever undertaken, or for that matter, any Marin in the history of our culture has ever undertaken. Mr. Kim paused for a few seconds and intensely looked into his son's eyes. It was a look of admiration and love that only a parent could know. Then he continued, I have listened many times as my son shared his dreams with me, and I have also perceived these same dreams from both Kafta and Jacon, though they may have not been expressed in the same manner. Mr. Kin briefly looked to Jacon. Jacon knows somewhat of my plan, but I am sure there will also be new revelations for him. Directly below us and off to the west is another large enclosure. In it, we have housed the only other Marn intergalactic spacecraft. For now, the Federation does not know of its existence. The assembly of it took place as we built the other prototype for the Federation. With the help of Jacone and my son, we were able to doctor the procurement and other documents we provided to the Federation to show that the parts used in this vehicle were used in 
the one that we built for the Federation. Yes, it was highly illegal what we did, but since it was my corporation's time and money, I wanted to have something to show for it. So, so far we have gotten away with the scheme. The vehicle's smaller than the one we built for the Federation and can only carry seven, thus the seven chairs at the table. Everyone paused when Mr. Kin said that. And Mr. Kin paused and looked at Kafta and Jacone. He could see that they, they understood the point he was making, so he continued. Originally, I did not see any priority to the plan I now have, but now time is of essence. At this point, I am sure it will not be long at all before the Federation discovers the ploy and I have carried out with the vehicle that, and it will be confiscated. I, I have three choices now. I can destroy the vehicle, I can turn it over to the Federation and face the consequences, or I can launch it. I think by now all of you realize that I want you to accompany me on a wonderful voyage. Kafta had a look of both surprise and wonder. Jacone, at this time, I must sincerely apologize to you for dragging you along in this conspiracy. Mr. Mr. King continued, I understand it was your idea at first, but, but by complying with you, I have forced you now to follow me or lose your career and maybe be jailed for life. At first, I thought your idea was crazy and impossible to carry out, but now I am glad you convinced me. Jacone, Kafta, and Traga stared at Mr. Ken, and even though Jacone and Traga knew of the basics of the plan, they still felt there were going to be more revelations. It was starting to sink in that Mr. Ken was asking them to accompany him on an intergalactic voyage and to where they were not yet clear. This obviously meant they would be discarding their families, friends, and culture. It was an extraordinary request, but coming from a Marin as exceptional as Mr. Kin, it was a request they knew they would accept. Their loyalty to Mr. Kin was honed from years of love, devotion, and respect for him to be continued.